Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman, and I'm here with Adam Aline. Adam and I, we're going to, in the next few episodes, we're going to take a look at the uh, texts that uh, deal with Christmas. The it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I've heard, I've heard that song over and over for uh, before Thanksgiving. Since, I was going to say since Halloween. Oh, man, live <laughs> do they start early. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know... Uh, before we look at these texts, like in Matthew and Luke, we'll go to Luke one for the Annunciation. But it's it's uh, I know I know you've probably observed this as well, Adam. But uh, have you noticed? And of course, the answer is yes. But how secular uh, the Christmas celebration is, almost on every level in society, whether it's the music that it's played on the radio, you know, because all these FM channels start playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Yep. And it's all secular, you know, George Michael, Paul McCartney. Uh, Mariah Carey, Christmas you, shoes, yeah. John Lennon, yeah. and then yeah, exactly. And then you then you you turn on the TV, and uh, whether you stream or whether you have cable or Dish or whatever it is, whether it's the Hallmark Channel or whatever the channel is, all these cr- these so so called Christmas movies and shows are all secular. Um, there's no mention of what Christmas really is all about. Very little, and the the things that do you know so. Um, Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? That uh, culminates with the reading of the the Gospel of Saint Luke. Uh, that you can't get on uh, TV anymore. You have to go and subscribe to some uh, service or buy it on DVD because they won't play that anymore because what, it's offensive. That's what I've heard. Yeah, the Luke two reading is offensive, and so they've eliminated the Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, I remember when I was a little kid and I would watch that show on TV. That was that that, that was before cable television. Still had black and white television. That's how old I am. And we looked forward to watching that. My, my parents made sure that we saw that. Yep. And there's no doubt it's because, at the end, the Luke 2 narrative. <laughs> That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In Luke 1, we're going to just start at uh, verse 26. It's in the sixth month, Luke says. And I should say, you know, but when Luke writes his gospel, he says he's, he's carefully investigated all these things. And I, I'm just going to throw this out. Luke doesn't say this explicitly. I'm, I'm speculating, but he talks about investigating carefully, and, and he puts it in order, his report. And he actually has talked to eyewitnesses, he says. This is Luke 1, 1 to 4. And I wonder uh, if he interviewed the Virgin Mary. I would say he probably has. I mean, just from the way that he writes, and he records it from her perspective. And you, you mentioned eyewitnesses. Luke is very particular in that. For example, um, after the resurrection, um, the two men walking down the road that Jesus shows up to, oh, yeah, yeah. he gives a name to one of them, Clopas. but not to the other one. Why is that? Well, it's because that's the one that he talked to. And when he writes it down, uh, you can go talk to him as well, because uh, that's an eyewitness testimony that he's recorded for us. And I would say then that applies then to things like uh, the birth of Jesus, uh, as we're going to read here today. Yeah, I mean, who would have told him this story that we're going to read? Well, yeah, it has to be Mary, right? Yeah, um, or Elizabeth, if she was still alive at that time. Right. When he wrote his gospel. Sixth month, the angel Gabriel is sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, sixth month, why sixth month here? Well, uh, it's talking about sixth month because it's in reference to the account that came right before it. And so this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with St. <laughs> John the Baptist. That's right. So she, so you've got a senior citizen ready for the nursing home, Elizabeth, who's never had a child with uh, her husband, Zechariah, and she's pregnant. She's yep. been pregnant for six months. And that's what it's referring to here, isn't it? That's exactly right. Okay, so in the sixth month, Gabriel, and no doubt he's the archangel, Gabriel. And I can't help myself... Uh, 
I don't get very far, you know, when we do Bible studies and I read a verse, we're, we're off and running, you know. Yep. And so you've got an archangel Gabriel. And what are angels usually sent to do? Because we have guardian angels, of course. But uh, angels preach. Right. Isn't that amazing? That's what the word angel even means, uh, messenger. Uh, and I think maybe we have to get a better understanding of that when we talk about angels. They're always bringing a word from God. And that means they're Lutheran then, too, because they believe people come to faith through hearing the word, uh, just as Lutherans do. So there yeah. you go. Angels are Lutheran. Oh, yeah. We all knew that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he's sent from God. All these words are very important. He doesn't send himself. Just like John the Baptist uh, was not sent uh, by himself, but he was sent from God. That's very important. So now you know what he's about ready to say is certain and sure. Right. (laughs) The source of it is not uh, the angel himself. It is the one who sent him. And that's, that's a key thing with all messengers. And I'd say we could talk a long time about the pastoral office in that regard as well. Your pastor's words are not supposed to be his own message or what he thinks is cool or hip or whatever. It's supposed to come from God, and the only way that can happen is if he's preaching from the scriptures themselves. Good. As a, uh, well, more another day on being sent, but uh, he goes to a virgin, and the text says that this virgin is betrothed, that is to say she's engaged, to a man whose name was Joseph, and notice where he's from. He's from the house of David. Very important, isn't it? Why, why is this important that he's of the house of David? Well, it's a fulfillment of all of God's promises in the Old Testament. Uh, things like uh, someone will sit on the throne of David forever, which is a uh, promise of what Christ is going to do as Second our king. 2 Samuel 7, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We also then have... Um, the, the other promises that God has given to David that find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus and uh, just drew a blank there, but uh, there's there's many of them. And so like this shepherd. is... Yes. God's shepherding his people there through you go. his servant David. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. So this is, uh, Jesus is going to fulfill all these things. And so God remembers what he said in the past and he's going to make sure they are fulfilled that way. And that's why these details are mentioned. Okay. So notice it's a virgin. So you've got a senior citizen. We're going to hear about her in a little bit, but this virgin's name is Mary. Now the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this saying, and she tries to discern or make sense of what kind of greeting this is. And then verse 30, the angel says to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Now, how do we understand that you found favor with God, Adam? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say to start with, um, maybe you're thinking something else and I'm well, on the spot here. Mary's troubled at his words, and that's because anytime an angel shows up, it's terrifying because uh, angels reflect the holiness of God, and you, you have no doubt where they've come from, and so she's terrified. It's not a, uh, Gabriel's not a, a baby with wings that's flying around. He's a angel. A mighty creature as well. A mighty creature, right. So she's terrified and that's then why too uh, he follows up and says, do not be afraid um, for you have found favor with God. In other words, uh, I'd say that says a couple things. First off, that she believes God's promises and has faith in them. Uh, In other words, she's I don't want to say Christian. I mean, she is in the sense that she believes God's word. Uh, She doesn't understand the fullness of that quite yet. Uh, But but she's a faithful person. And then favor with God, too, is that she's been chosen to have God 
grow within her own womb and uh, take on human flesh and be born from her. Uh, and so that is obviously a situation of favor. It doesn't mean she's more holy than we are or that she's a, a, you know, a better individual. She makes better cookies or whatever. It just means that God has chosen her to be this particular vessel. In that regard, she is favored by God. The mother of the Messiah. Right. The mother of God. Yeah. It, could it also be uh, as well... You know, you mentioned that when, and you're right, every time an angel appears to someone, they're afraid because of what you said earlier. Uh, I wonder, too, if part of this is, you know, you see it, you see an archangel, and what's he going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's he going to say to me? Will it be favorable or will it not be? I mean, you know, you know any, any Hebrew, including a teenager named Mary, because she would have known her scriptures, uh, would know that sometimes when God visits his people, it's in judgment in a negative way. So like, I wonder like if... Like Balaam, who the angel was ready to strike him down and the donkey kept avoiding it, or uh, uh, when they showed up at Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and uh, as a result, the city is destroyed by fire and brimstone. Uh, we, we can think of lots of opportunities like that. Yeah, so I wonder if part of this is, yes, is she afraid because she now sees a mighty creature, an angel that she's never seen before, although she knows they exist? And I can just imagine that seeing Gabriel going through her mind would be, oh, my word, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in deep trouble. Yes. Uh, I think that may be part of it of why he says, don't be afraid because you found favor with God. In other words, God loves you for Christ's sake, Messiah's sake. I'm right. not here to destroy you. I'm not, I'm not an agent of God's wrath. And uh, that's the you. favor then. She's... She's here to play a part in God's um, work of salvation. And I, I don't mean that she's bringing salvation apart, and I want to elevate her higher than she should be, but at the same time, I want to make sure she's as high as she should be as yeah. the mother of God. Yeah, so she finds favor with God because she's a faither, as I like to say. Yes, yes. <laughs> a faither, a truster, if you will. Now, so he continues, this is verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb. Now, whoa, whoa. And bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Uh, she's a virgin. There's, there hasn't been a honeymoon. She's engaged, but there hasn't been a honeymoon yet. Right. Or consummation, right? I mean, they used to do right. that back in the good old days. You had to wait till you got exactly, married. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, just hearing these words, okay, yeah, I'm engaged. All right. So will Joseph be responsible for this? Now, the text doesn't say this, but I can just imagine what's going through her mind. So the, the, the preacher has to go on. And says more about who this baby will be. It's now, a, is it worth pointing out that she doesn't do like Sarah did and laugh? Uh, she doesn't uh, correct. Uh, it's, it's well say this isn't going to happen. She's she's asking clarifying questions, so she believes the words, but she says, "Okay, now how is it going to happen?" I, I think that's worth pointing out uh, in as a example of uh, showing us her faith. Yeah, verse thirty-four. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Uh, you'll, I, I, I have fun with this. Now, don't misunderstand, folks, as you hear this. I, uh, science is a gift from God. Scientists are gifts from God. So I'm not against that. But tongue-in-cheek now, if you listen to science, a virgin cannot get pregnant. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And this, so we're going to hear something. Uh, nothing is impossible with God in this text as well later on. But that's just, I'm just throwing this stuff out just for fun. So you're, you're going to conceive in your womb, bear a son, his name, Jesus, which means God saves or God is salvation. And this baby you're going to have, verse 32, he's going to be great, will be called the son of the most high. So you know that he's, he's divine. Right. Wow. Th and that's, that's a big thing. And, and 
I mean, we can't misinterpret those words. Uh, almost here, uh, from the very beginning of the Gospels and, and from the conception of Christ, we already know who he is, the Son of God. And so there's no question about that. That's why earlier you said he's, he marries the mother of God. Correct. And let's let's flesh that out before we take a break. Mother of God in what way? Uh, when the when the eternal, eternally begotten Son of the Father, the second person of the Trinity, is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, we can properly say that Mary is the mother of God in that sense only, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And that was a huge issue in the early church. We, we could talk more about that later. But we're going to take a break. Come back, folks. More fun. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, welcome back again to Table Talk, your healthy theological Rate Addiction. I'm Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Aline. We're looking at the Annunciation of our Lord in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and following. We're looking at uh, verse 32. This uh, baby that uh, Mary will give birth to uh, will be called the Son of the Most High. Um, most people hear this language and, and they don't realize that this language, the Most High, is always a reference to God in the Old Testament, like in Genesis, etc., uh, Ezekiel, Daniel. So Most High means God himself. Yep. And so this, this baby is the son of the Most High. He's actually the son of God. That, that's a big thing. Yeah, it and, is a uh, An unusual thing for God to be born of a human being. <laughs> I can't help myself, but you know, we spoke about Gabriel as a preacher, and he's sent from God. And he's preaching, <clears throat> he's preaching the word that God sent him to preach. And <laughs> humanly speaking, uh, you have a, a little teenage virgin girl hearing this, and uh, normally, uh, generally speaking, uh, teenage girls would hear such a thing and, and laugh, like Sarah, giggle, and say, oh, come on, this is impossible. We well know this doesn't work this way. But not Mary. She nope. sits here and listens to this. And she believes it. Yeah. It's very interesting. But let's also learn something from Mary. Uh, that when, when, when the preacher preaches the word of God, pay attention. God's addressing you. I don't, I don't, that's another thing that, it's side note, you know, this is bonus round time again in our talk. Uh, we have to teach people, or somebody needs to teach people, how to listen to a sermon. Yep. <laughs> it's a hard thing, and, and people don't know how to do it very well, and I don't think that they do anymore. And I think that's been reflected then in our preaching, right? Back in the old days, they'd preach for an hour uh, or maybe even more, and now we're down to 10 to 20 minutes, and uh, even that's hard to pay attention to. And I think TV's messed us up in that regard. Right, our soundbite society. But I'm, I'm, I'm also going at something else here when I'm making this remark of how we need— there's a discipline to listening, listening to a sermon. I think the, form, the foremost and fundamental discipline in learning how to listen to a sermon is— a fundamental theological presupposition that when the preacher is preaching the word of God faithfully, God himself is talking to you. And therefore, that, when you know that, that changes your whole attitude of listening. Yep. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna concentrate on this because God's talking to me. That's been lost. And maybe what God has to say is an important thing that I ought to hear. <laughs> and Exactly. And, and as we all know that from the scriptures, the, the important things that God wants us to hear, because we're saint and sinner at the same time, 
is that I need to be repented and my old Adam needs to be put to death today through this word. And then uh, the new man, spelled F-A-I-T-H, needs to be raised up to live before God in the preaching of the gospel. Uh, one more thing on this, if I may, Adam. That's why, you know, Paul's, Paul wrote his letters in the New Testament to be read as sermons. That's why he begins almost every letter, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we hear these words all the time, and most pastors imitate those words before they begin their sermon. Some begin in the name of the triune God, which is fine as well. But Paul does this. He's telling people that right now in my speaking, grace, mercy, and peace is now being given to you in this word that I'm about ready to give you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're actually being addressed by the triune God right now in what I'm giving you. This has been lost, I think. Uh, And I think we need to recover this. And don't misunderstand, folks. The pastor's not God. I didn't say that. Now, I know there are those in the Missouri Senate to hear what I just said. They're saying, oh, so Kuhlman thinks he's God. No, get over it. Didn't say that. Didn't say that. But just like Gabriel is a creature sent by the Lord to preach God's word, and as Gabriel preaches God's word faithfully, God is speaking through the angel Gabriel, the creature. So notice how God addresses creatures through his creatures. Gabriel, creature, invisible creature, visible at this point in Luke 1, to a creature, Mary. We've lost this. Yep. Uh, we don't believe it, definitely. So I, think, I, think, I think generally speaking, most Christians, especially Missouri Synod Christians sitting in the pew, think that if God speaks to them, it's not through a creature named a preacher, but rather there's supposed to, there's supposed to happen some, some uh, uh, special revelation that directly comes from God apart from a creature and apart from his written word. And usually that ends up being a confusion for what your deep desires are, <laughs> being the voice of God, rather than actually what he says to you through your pastor or even through the scriptures. So he will be the son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This is the fulfillment of the Second Samuel 7 promise. When David said, you know, I think it's high time for me to build God a house. And God says, nope. You're not going to build me a house. I'll build you one, a house. And when God said house, he didn't mean a physical building. He meant a lineage of royalty in which he would have a son who would have the house of, of, of uh, how shall I say it, Messiah. Well, even uh, Jesus speaks in that same way when he talks about destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. He's not speaking about a physical building that's built in Jerusalem. He's talking about himself being the place where God is dwelling amongst his people. And even if you destroy it, it will be raised up. And so when David is given that promise, God says, I'm going to build you a house. He is also then talking about the incarnation of Christ our Lord uh, being that house. So yet Solomon builds a temple and it's really important in the Old Testament history. And there was a temple at the time of Jesus, but really he is the embodiment of that idea uh, in himself. And now God will reign on the earth. This is also very important, that in Jesus Christ, the one conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, God now, God now reigns on the earth as king. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you folks, you folks who are still waiting for Jesus to come back and reign on the earth for a thousand years, got news for you. He's been doing that. He's already been doing that for, for over 2,000 years when he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And the, the, most, the most visible exhibit of this fact is when he is mocked and robed as a king. His coronation, if you will. Yes, and put on his throne, the cross. Yep, yep. 
He's got a crown. It's thorns. There he is. There's the son of David reigning not only over Israel, but the entire universe as the Good Friday crucified Lord of all. That's, that's, that's the reign. That's his reign. And now he extends that reign. His ascension, of course, is his coronation in which now he reigns over everything for the sake of the church. And so he continues to reign on the earth. Yeah. And it's not a new thing that God's just invented. It's what he's promised all along, right? I mean, so even in the time of judges, uh, there's no king. And the reason is, is because God said, I'm your king. You don't need a, a human <sighs> king. Uh, and now here that he normal is. Sa- and now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Say that again. So the, at the time of the judges, Israel didn't have a king. Right. Because? God is the king. And even when he <laughs> talks to Samuel, when the people ask for a king, he says, don't worry, it's not you they've rejected, it's me. And that's the whole idea again of the, the cross that you talked about before. The same thing happens again. There's, there's other ironies too, but uh, we'll have to get to them later, I suppose. So it's, that's the fulfillment. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Again, fulfilling the promise of Second Samuel 7. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And now it's begun. That's, that's the whole point of Gabriel's sermon here. Now it's begun. It's yep. fulfilled. Now. Not, and not, we're still waiting. Now it is. It's the gospel. Exactly. And now Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Because humanly speaking, this is impossible. Okay? A virgin cannot conceive. And that's why it's so important and why Luke mentions that she is a virgin. There's no confusion here. It's not uh, a Roman soldier that's knocked her up. Then she wouldn't be a virgin. It's not that her and Joseph were sneaking around in the background or she wouldn't be a virgin. She's a virgin, meaning it shouldn't happen. It can't happen physically, and, and, and that's important. And push it further. Uh, so when, when the Holy Spirit, we're going to read about that here in a minute in the, in the yep. verse, but, but when the Holy Spirit conceives the baby Jesus in her womb, she still and remains a virgin at that time. Right. And when she gives birth, she is still a virgin. Yeah. And, and so that tells us exactly who Christ's father is. Uh, <laughs> that is, yeah. he is God. Yeah, God the Father. That's very, that's very interesting because it, when it comes to when someone is pregnant and is going to have a child, we all know who the mother is. Right. <laughs> <Don't we? Yes. laughs> the big thing is, okay, now who's daddy? And, of course, in this text, the scandal is, well, who is he? Uh, is it Joseph? Now, Joseph, of course, in, in, in uh, Matthew's account, thinks that she's been sleeping around. And so he's going to divorce her quietly and et cetera, et cetera. But, no, she hasn't been. And that tells that's why they don't put forward Joseph's the father. He he acts as if he knows there's some sort of shenanigans going <laughs> exactly, on here. Exactly, exactly. So the, the angel preaches some more. This is verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High, there you go, there's that language of divinity, the divine God, will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And uh, there you have it, conceived by the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow. Now, you see, as he preaches this word into her ears, what's happening? The baby's conceived. That's right. She, she is impregnated through her ear, if you will, by hearing the word of God and believing it. Uh, and that faith that uh, swells up as a result of hearing that word uh, is the same sort of idea as what's going on in her womb as well. That word brings about Jesus to her. Yeah, we can't emphasize that enough. I know we're about at the end of the program today, but uh, we're getting close anyway. But I'm going to repeat it because it does bear repeating. So let's ask the question this way. How does Mary get pregnant? Or how is Jesus conceived in her womb? Well, it isn't by Joseph. No. Nope. It's by the Holy Spirit. All right. How does the Holy Spirit do it? 
as the word is being preached or poked, I say that provocatively on purpose, poked into her ears. And, and that's, again, a key that shows that Gabriel is Lutheran, uh, just like Mary was Lutheran, is that the Holy <laughs> Spirit and the Word are always, always, always attached together. And so she cannot get pregnant apart from God's Word coming into her ear. That's right. And then, then he reminds her, uh, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her. That takes us back to verse 26. Yep. She who was called barren is now going to have a child. Isn't this amazing? And then we get this, well, I mentioned it earlier, for nothing will be impossible with God. Well, indeed, that's correct. And Mary, the faither, says what? Look at it. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That means I believe it. I that, trust it, right? Well, that's an important thing to say is that it is a confession of faith here. The word has come to her, and she believes it, and now she's confessing her faith. It's not as if uh, she's assenting and letting God do this to her. She's rather saying, I believe what you're saying, and it's going to happen to me as your word says. A- and even it's important, she says the word uh, as your word says, because that's, again, a confession of faith. There are some who say, look, um, this happened when I was touring Israel. The tour guide said, yeah, Mary uh, gave permission to God for this to happen. Really? And yes. And that's not exactly what's happening here. She's oh. confessing faith oh that goodness. believes the word spoken. Yeah, she did not give permission. Uh, let's make that clear. This is, this is, boy, that really makes things bad. That, just, that, that, <laughs> yeah. ruins, that ruins the whole point of what, what we're reading here. She's simply given to. Faith right. is the faither or faith is just simply given to by the Lord. It's the Lord who takes the initiative here. It's the Lord who preaches the sermon through the archangel. And the Lord does what he says through his word. And he gives what he promises through this word. And Mary says, thank you. Yep. I'm, I'm your servant. I, you want to use me? Oh, boy, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you use me in this way. Or as I like to say, God, Mary is saying, God's good use of me is to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, we're going we're gonna to say more about uh, these Christmas texts when we come back the next time. Stay Lutheran, my friends. <laughs>